Fraud Pod. Hello, listener, and thank you so much for joining us on this 51st edition of the Teaching Abroad Pod. I'm your host, Rowan Lomas, and joining me as co-host is Ashley from our operations department. What's uh, what's new? How are things with you, Ashley? Things are good. Um, we have some snow and ice on the ground today, so I'm feeling justified about turning on some holiday music a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, we don't really have an episode falling around the holidays this year. So maybe we should touch on those holiday feelings a bit early. Uh, I was thinking now that Thanksgiving is past, the stores are really shifting their marketing into holiday mode. The holiday specials are showing up on the streaming apps. And maybe I'm just old, but doesn't it feel like the best ones are still those old ones? You know, the Charlie Browns, the Grinch and, and whatnot. I mean, my wife's a big fan of Will Ferrell's Elf, but for some reason, I don't really get those holiday feelings from the newer productions. I hear you. I do prefer watching the stop animation ones too, like The Grinch and, and Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman. Um, but a newer one I enjoy actually is Noel with Anna Kendrick. Have you seen it? No. It's super cute. Um, I mean, it probably helps that I have younger kids and it's probably more their, their scene, um, but it's really sweet. What I like, though, about the holiday season is come September, we usually pick out a book to read together in the evenings, and we kind of all cuddle up on the couch and do some reading together. Um, I haven't picked out a book yet for this month, but I'm thinking Ichabod is actually on my short list this year. It's been on my brain for some time, and I, I think maybe now's the time to delve in. Great idea, for sure. There's one uh, one book we seem to bring out every year, but that's about it. <laughs> Goes going back to my childhood, just carrying on the tradition. Uh, so I'm really happy to have as our guest this week, TEFL graduate Dan Stefan O'Neill, who first accessed his placement service way back in 2012 and has taught English for many years in China and Romania, and just recently started a new English teaching job in Vietnam. So he's going to be able to tell us about quite a few interesting and diverse experiences and maybe shed some light on his tips for a fun holiday season abroad. But first, a word from our sponsor. With Oxford Seminars, starting your new career teaching ESL couldn't be easier. Oxford Seminars has trained more than 70,000 teachers over the past 30 years, and you could be next. Our comprehensive 120-hour program starts with live instruction from an experienced ESL teacher, followed by convenient online modules. If your goal is to relocate overseas or even teach from the comfort of your own home, Oxford Seminars' renowned lifetime job placement service will get you where you want to be. Right now, you can get $50 off your Oxford Seminars TESOL TESOL TEFL course price when paying in full by calling one 888 225 2480 and giving the code teaching abroad pod. Visit OxfordSeminars.com today to find out more. Welcome back, listener. We're excited to be joined now by experienced overseas English teacher Stefan O'Neill, who has been teaching English abroad for over a decade in such diverse locations as Suzhou and Wujiang, China, Galati, Romania, and Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. In addition to his TEFL certificate from Oxford Seminars, he's earned a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Galati and both a graduate diploma in management and a graduate certificate in leadership from McGill University. Welcome to the pod, Dan Stefan. 
Thank you for having me, Ro and Ashley. Thank you. Glad to be here on your podcast today. We're glad to have you. Um, so you've been teaching um, in quite a few different places. What would you say yeah. are the major differences between teaching in China, Romania, and Vietnam? What are the oh. pros and cons of each? All right. So I'll start with the beginning. Uh, Almost 10 years ago, uh, when I was uh, job searching with Oxford Seminars, and uh, basically back then, what I remembered, I had an option between Colombia and China. And uh, personally, what I looked for, I looked for a little bit of um, an employer who would sustain me and pick up airport accommodation, uh, and uh, China usually off, still offers that, and they offer that back then. That was the main reason that I chose China in 2004, and I do not regret it. They were very welcoming. I arrived there. They picked me up for the airport, uh, drove me to uh, my little apartment. Uh, lucky for me, I was not alone. So I found there another couple from U.S. and another lady from U.S. And he actually, they also had a uh, background with uh, Oxford Seminars. They had the uh, Oxford Seminars from U.S. Honestly, because, uh, well, being a guy and I arrived in China, I said, okay, what's it's not going to be a big deal. It's a job. But honestly, when I arrived there, it was a huge cultural shock. It was Southeast Asia is another galaxy. And it kind of took me two weeks to ease in the environment. Once again, people uh, from the company over there, from the high school in, uh, in Suzhou, were very helpful and very supportive. Uh, everything, I mean... They provided all the meals and they used to take us to restaurants all the time. And we were always invited to dinner. Okay, so it was really, really fine. It was really good. And I got I got used to the culture and, uh, and everything back then in, in China. Talking about, like, to be brief, what I... Because I stayed a long time. I stayed until 2020 in January when COVID hit and everything happened. And uh, what usually happens, uh, they offer you a one-year contract, the school year, the academic year. And at the end, uh, was it May, June, they usually ask you if you would like to stay one more year. And uh, I did because I liked it. The other, uh, my colleagues from US, they left. I stayed. And it was good. And what I was trying to say is that is in Southeast Asia, I got to know some other teachers working from different for different companies. And like there's a big expat community uh, in Suzhou is somewhere near Shanghai. It's uh, it's a multicultural place. Uh, there are people from all over the world over there. So um, what happens is. People arrive there, not necessarily teachers, lots of teachers, but not necessarily. And uh, it's either they stay two or three months and they do not adapt and they leave. Or it's the opposite, like what happened to me. I arrived there. I liked it. I enjoyed it. And I stayed a long time. So this is what people, well, this is what's happening in China and Southeast Asia. 
this happened to myself and this is what happened like the stories that I heard from uh, from the other people other other expats hmm. either yes. you can you can cut it or you can't it seems yes most of the people stay so yeah. there are there's a small percentage that leave but usually people stay yes how are you finding vietnam as compared to china the truth is that I arrived on a Friday and I've started to work Monday. So I did not get a chance to travel around, not yet. Southeast Asia, yes, people are very polite, very welcoming, yes. So it's a good place. Considering uh, teaching and considering ESL, like, uh, in China, usually accommodation is provided by the employer. Over here, you have to support yourself from the salary. That's this is what usually what happens. So, but uh, well, compared with China, things are less expensive here in Vietnam. China became more and more expensive slowly, slowly. So, standard of living. For a foreigner, it's somewhere on the same level. Talking about classes and uh, what, what I used to do in China, I used to uh, prepare students for the IELTS speaking test, grade 10, grade uh, 11. Over here, I'm doing actually, actually, I'm not doing English anymore. I'm teaching uh, math at uh, grade 6 level. So I have kids 18, 12-year-olds. Uh, I'm teaching math, obviously, in English. In English, it's a different program. Right. Okay, they also have English classes, but they put me into uh, math and science department. You're a subject matter yeah. content teacher yeah. in an English curriculum school, basically? Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, it's a big company who employs lots of uh, foreign teachers, and we go and we teach in the public school and um, in the public school sector here in Hoshin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Now yeah. I haven't seen a lot of Romanian schools posting on internet job boards. Are there many jobs available for English teachers from North America who are interested in maybe going to get a job in Romania? Uh, not too many indeed. Uh, I, because I'm Romanian born and raised, then uh, moved to Canada. My Romanian experience is different because I lived there during my early childhood, uh, during my teenage years, all right. And I know a lot of people in Romania, a lot of uh, former colleagues from high school. And uh, what I did in Romania, I did training to foreign uh, foreign trade companies. I did training for their employees over there at the foreign trade companies. Uh, for an ESL teacher, Romania, ability to save close to zero. But uh, considering that we're approaching the holiday season and we're all in the Christmas uh, mood. Uh, it's this is the time to be in Romania. All right. Uh, schools are all uh, on vacation during Christmas time, and uh, you have plenty of uh, time to uh, to travel and go around. I would advise the western uh, part of the country uh, if people are interested in um, skiing or uh, skating. Skiing mostly. There are resorts 
up in the mountains over there as well. On the other hand, uh, if, for people who would like to uh, to have a taste of uh, local culture, yes, uh, countryside Romania, especially on uh, Christmas holidays, is great. The tip would be to get a Romanian friend which is not very hard to get over there. Once you get there as a Canadian or as a U.S. citizen, depends. And they will take you somewhere at the countryside to a uh, to remote places. And uh, they have certain traditions and certain uh, foods that they uh, prepare for Christmas. And uh, they're singing carols and, of oh, course, nice. that celebrations. So, yes, lots of fun. Well, I do yeah. love skiing. I never would have thought of Romania as a, a top oh, ski yes, destination, yes. but now that you mention it, maybe uh, uh, yes, there, next time there I'm are skiing in Europe, I'll check it out. <laughs> yes, yes. Quite crowded lately, but yes. Interesting. Um, we were talking about how you just started teaching in, in Vietnam not that long ago. Would you say you're still in the honeymoon stage? Are things still new and exciting? Uh, honeymoon, uh, like I'm repeating myself, people are welcoming a nice yes. Compared with China, the workload here is, I have a lot more to work over here in Vietnam than in China. Interesting. Yes. In China, I used to be at the high school over there, uh, grade 10, grade 11. I used to have four teaching periods a day. Usually I used to start, I'm not an early uh, morning type of guy, I used to start at 10. By 3 p.m. I used to be done with all my classes and everything, and I used to live uh, near the campus. Uh, it was really, really convenient. And that gave me also time to do a little bit of uh, extra tutoring in the evening. Over here, I have six periods of teaching per day with office hours and i do have mondays and thursdays uh have classes at 7 a.m in the morning oh. yes that would be a challenge for for me also yes. i think yes, yes. But, i mean uh... it's, still, it's still a challenge for me it's still uh, today's thursday and i kind of sounded almost office. too good to be true without that schedule <laughs> It's funny because it's the opposite of, I think, what I would have expected. I would have expected to be more demanding in China than it was in Vietnam. So that's... Uh, depend on the school. Uh, I was lucky in China. I must admit it. Yes. There are places in China who demand office hours as well. There are a lot of training centers, which honestly, I would not recommend because they're evenings and yeah. weekends. So for China and Southeast Asia, I my from what I've seen, and uh, I would recommend public schools or universities. Yes, on universities, the schedule is much more relaxed. Yes, I've seen contracts uh, where you only got 14, 16 teaching hours a week. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. On university, yes, but also the paycheck is less. Yes. Um, yes. But as for some people, it's definitely worth the trade-off. They they're making enough to yes. live a comfortable lifestyle and have a lot less stress, I guess, in their day. Uh, of course, yes. I mean, uh, if 
depending on what kind of goals do you set for yourself. Uh, I mean, if you wish to travel and uh, have a lot of uh, free time, you can definitely live live comfortably in Vietnam with uh, with less. So on the the note of salary, um, as you know, the salaries being offered by schools in China are quite generous these days. Yes, they are. Right uh, now, especially. Yes. Can you still yeah. save a good amount in Vietnam with your average teacher salary? My target is to save a thousand a month. Oh, it's pretty good, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I must admit that I'm very careful with my wallet and my money right now, as opposed with China, where uh, it didn't matter, and I was still able to save sixty-five to up to seventy percent of my income. Mm. Yes. And I used to go out on Fridays and Saturdays and enjoy expat life in China, yes. And I don't, I haven't started to do this over here yet. The only thing that uh, I, well, I afford, I I chose to, to live uh, in a hotel. Oh, okay. All right. And what I did, uh, I got to an understanding with the hotel owner and I pay around 630 US a month. So you could probably find an apartment that costs less if uh, you Yes. Want. Yes. But I mean, in my case, I took like an apartment. You also have hydro, internet, uh, water. Over here, all is included. Laundry is included as a, as oh, a guy. A... So, yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, cleaning, all right, twice a week. My room is spotless. My bathroom is spotless. So, um, I can see the yeah. pros to yeah, hotel yeah, life. Yeah, I totally yes. hear that. <laughs> uh, both Chinese and Vietnamese food are quite world famous. Would you say you prefer one country's cuisine over the other? And what are your favorite dishes you've eaten while teaching abroad or in Romania? Oh, right. In China, okay, because in China I've been invited to hundreds of dinners and uh, dinner parties and weddings, yes. I've been to probably six or eight weddings in China. I've tasted everything that I've been offered. Some dishes I didn't enjoy too much and I just, well, out of politeness, I had to eat. Some other dishes, yes, I liked. What were they? I don't know. I'm sorry. I mean, yes, basically, yeah, it's chicken, it's pork, a little bit of beef and the, the way that the way they cook it, it's different. In the same city, you go to a different place, one like one block away, there are hundreds, tens and hundreds of restaurants and the food is not the same. Mm. All right. In Vietnam here, uh, people say, and prob I kind of feel it, it's healthier, probably. Mm. Lots of herbs, uh, veggies, yes, it's good. I mean, it tastes nice. Now, if you're looking for Western food, if you're looking for a steak, for example, because, well, a steak in China, to find a good steak, it's a challenge. Even in Shanghai, you got to know places or ask people who know places with, like, steak. Otherwise, 
they're doing their best. They're trying, but it's not the same steak that you get in Canada or US. It's not the same, definitely. Romania on the other side, uh, well, it's European. It's closer to all the food that we have in Canada, right? It's also beef, pork, chicken. Uh, there are tastes that resembles what you can find in Canada. Also, well, there are plenty of supermarkets which you can find all the cheeses, all the salamis, all the cold cuts, which in China, it's a little bit hard to find. I mean, Suzhou is a big city. Like I had to take a taxi for half an hour to 40 minutes to go to a supermarket and get some salami and some ham and baguettes for a week or two and put them in my freezer. Goes nothing around. Have you... Uh tried the what's that sandwich in vietnam very popular oh, banh mi. i could smash that any day of the week <laughs> have you tried their banh mi well honestly not yet all right put it on probably your I, I probably i did and i i didn't know what i ate <laughs> what about soups i know eastern europe generally quite famous for soups stews yes. how would you compare like a Romanian soup to a, a Vietnamese pho. Do you have a preference? Obviously, well, they... Very artists... different, I imagine. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, over here in Vietnam, they're light, nice and tasty. In Romania, they're thick and they add a lot of sour cream in them, all right, lots of meat. Like going to Romania and, uh, well, be careful if you stay there and if you eat in every house that you enter, you might get, uh, you you might gain a little bit of weight. It depends. Like keep on exercises if you go there, right? Very different styles of soup. Yeah. The very brothy yeah. versus the very yeah. chunky, meaty, gravy yeah. soup. Yeah, yeah. What about drinks? Any beers, cocktails you wouldn't really oh, find anywhere right. else uh, that you'd recommend? I'm a, I'm a beer guy, okay. Uh, China, they have the famous, their brand over there, Tsintao, which is, it's good beer. And it's, uh, well, light. Uh, it's light. When I say light, it has, it only has 3% alcohol. So you can have Lots of beers, and you do not lose uh, your um, your composure. You I mean, you're it's you're going to be okay if you go a night out and you're having uh, a little bit more. It's it's all right on Tintao. China also lots of expat places. On expat places, it's a little bit expensive. Over here in Vietnam, uh, I only like it's been three months already. I only went out once not an expert on the yes. local beer scene yeah. quite yet no, not yet no uh i went of course to an expat place expat spot it was a intonation event so yes from people especially people going and uh traveling and going on esl for the first time i would recommend there's a website internations and you can get in contact with other expats. It's a way to meet people and uh, to get like networking, to, to do a little bit of networking. Yes, it helps. Sorry, what's Especially the website again? Internation. Internation.org, I believe. Oh, yes. okay. Thank you. We'll look that up. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, you haven't done too much traveling in Vietnam yet. Um, no. But what would you say are some hot spots for travelers to China and Romania? Usually I, like in China, I went to a crazy place, like amazing place from Shanghai. I took a plane and I went to northern China, close to the border with Russia near Siberia in, at Harbin. And that city uh, used to belong more than 100 years ago, used to belong to the Russian Empire. And in the middle, in, like in downtown, they still have a Russian cathedral, which resembles to the Russian cathedral that they have in Moscow with the, those yeah. Yes. Very distinctive, yeah. Yes. Well, obviously, it's not in service anymore. It's a museum. And, uh, well, probably you'll laugh, but I mean, in China, in Shanghai, they don't really have winter. Winter time, it's somewhere around five or six degrees Celsius. All right, it's a joke. And I went to Harbin and yes, Montreal, 20 below. Yeah, it's much colder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice taste of winter in Harbin. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. For uh, Vietnam, instead of curiosity, have you uh, have you joined the mobs of scooters? No, no. There are there are rivers. Like it's like fluids and rivers of motorbikes, motorbikes, and it's it's amazing. Yes, looks a little yes. intimidating to me. I, I don't know if uh, I have the, the guts to give it a shot. <laughs> All right, I haven't yet, because uh, what they do here at the company that I work for, from the office, usually we embark on taxis, and we go to our schools that we're supposed to teach for that day. So, well, I haven't been on a motor scooter yet. And again, the reason that I chose this hotel is because it is five minute it's a five minute walk to the office nice very convenient yeah it's downtown ho chi minh really good area good neighborhood it's nice and uh very close to work so yes but i mean my colleagues from from company from the company yes some of them that they started uh, two or three years ago and they do ride motor scooters yes I look at them and, uh, well, I admire them. My sister did it. I, I definitely yes. was uh, impressed that she was out there on those, what are they, 10-lane roads? Yes, yes, yes. Usually, usually one-way yes. one roads on their motor scooters, motor scooters, motor scooters, yes. But it's a good, I mean, had it been cars, would have been impossible. It would take a long time to go anywhere, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, well, how did they you mentioned um, earlier the holiday season is upon us. So I'm just curious what your experience is with celebrating abroad. What advice would you have for those new to teaching overseas to plan a good time and not get feeling lonely or isolated while they're well, teaching abroad? Unfortunately, holiday season East uh, Southeast Asia is a little bit like you get a little bit lonely 
in China, they have Christmas decorations everywhere. And yes, Christmas carols and music and all the stores and all the shops and all the malls that you get in. Yes, I'll be very honest. It's not the same. All right, Christmas, uh, we all wish to be with our family, friends and in China, yes, I mean, if you get good company and if you get like good friends and expert friends and uh, even local friends, Chinese, they also, they wish to, to celebrate Christmas. Yes, it's doable. There are lots of places who organize special events on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Uh, of course, the New Year's Eve parties uh, in China, yes very 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 wild and uh yes uh fun yes i guess on the plus side you can have that kind of little party with your friends and then you also get chinese new year which is for the chinese yes. the biggest celebration <laughs> of the year just, yes i mean <laughs> yes usually the schools do not have time off but depending on the employer or right they allow one or two days off for christmas for christmas yes yeah and then you get what a couple so, of weeks for chinese new yeah. year usually uh if you're teaching in public schools you get up to a month i a month. sometimes i had five weeks and uh, they were like full pay nice which is an advantage that's yes. a deal yes it is <laughs> a deal yes 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 uh now that we're talking about teaching again, in terms of your classroom, what are your students' ages as class sizes currently? How does it compare to other teaching jobs you've had? All right. Currently, I'm having 11, 12 years old, I believe, grade six. I class size 40 students up to 40, 35, 36, 37, depends. Well, they're disciplined. All right. Uh, there are no discipline issues or uh, behavior. I mean, it's you can have your class and they'll just be quiet and listen to you. Sometimes, sometimes they're too quiet and they're looking at you and you wonder: Do they follow or don't they? Do they understand or they don't? So right, and out of thirty-five, thirty-six. At least 10, you can spot that they're on. And especially like right now doing math and science, the advantage is that they already know the, um, they know the material because they already did it in Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. And uh, the program is to overlap all the curriculum in Vietnamese with the English Oh, curriculum all right and that helps them to develop language skills because they already know the concept and ex re-explaining them in english all right they develop a better understanding so it's also for english language purposes yes and uh well most of them yes they just had like last week we had midterm exam more or less, the average would be 75 to 80%, which is not bad. Could have been better because it was easy, all right? But, well, 
in China, different high schoolers, and actually in China, they were preparing for the IELTS because they they needed the IELTS in order to come to Canada, to Niagara Falls. It's called Kent School Canada in, uh, in Niagara Falls. Um, they do their grade 12 and they, they get the Canadian high school diploma in order to go to a Canadian or US university. So they needed the other speaking. And uh, my class size in China was uh, eight to 12 students. Oh, wow. Very different. Yeah, it was very different. Yes. And I only had four classes. So I knew them as my own kids, my own. Like, I knew them very, very well. I used to see them every day. Did you have a co-teacher in either of those? Uh, here in Vietnam, yes, yes. There they call uh, they call it a uh, academic coordinator. Oh, so they're in the class with you at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. That's nice. Do they help with any of the uh, classroom management or? Uh, curriculum and, planning? Yes, they're there to help. Yes, honestly, I didn't have any issues yet. They are there if sometimes they do not understand something or also when we had the midterm last week, just to to make sure they, I gave them the instructions in English and then the academic coordinator, the TA, this is teacher assistant, they also gave them the instructions in Vietnamese just to make sure that they understood properly what they had to do. Now you said yes. they're polite and they pay attention, but... Do you have any uh, issue with getting them motivated and talking and participating? Like, what strategies would you use for those of high course. students? Of course. Over here, I would say it's a little bit more challenging than, well, in China, where I had a very small class size and they had no choice but speak. Uh, over here, yes, it is a challenge. Uh, there are lots of students, all right? Lots of classes, lots of students. I asked them to have their names on their desk. Some of them, they're more active, all right? I obviously rely on them slowly, slowly. Like today I asked, uh, I had a math lesson. The answer was obvious, all right? But nobody wanted to say anything because they were afraid of making a mistake, okay? Or they're afraid that uh, their English is not as, like, they might sound awkward in English, so they're afraid of speaking. So I actually named one and just... The poor guy had no choice but to get in front of the classroom and do the exercise on the board, all right? So then I asked the other ones, okay? Well, he did a mistake. I He got it wrong, but... I asked all the others to applaud because, yes, he was in front of the classroom, despite the fact that he made the mistake and he didn't get the right answer, but he had the courage to go up there. So, well, little things that you can do. Positive uh, reinforcement. Yes, yes, yes. Reinforcement, yes. I have some of them that uh, they have their hands raised all the time, that those types who want to uh, do they wish to to show that they're the ones who who uh, who know the material and who are able to speak. All right. Uh, of course, at the beginning you rely on those ones, but 
you do not want to have your class only with those two or three students. You wish the others to get involved somehow. So, well, you kind of let those ones that they have their hand uh, raised all the time, okay, let the others answer please as well. Walk the the aisles, all right, because I see on their notebooks that they get the answers and they are able to write correctly, all right. So I encourage them, okay, please, you may say it, all right. You can <laughs> say whatever you wrote on your notebook. It's okay. Go ahead, express it. No, don't be afraid of making mistakes, all right. So yes, challenge. It's, it's part of the job, all right. Uh, one final question we like to ask our guests who have taught abroad is what advice do you have for anyone who is thinking of getting certified and going overseas, but is maybe on the fence debating if it's worth their time and money? Well, I mean, it's, it was worth it for me. So it's worth it. I mean, if you choose to go abroad, especially for young, young graduates, all right, if you wish to go abroad for a couple of years, for even more than that, three, four years, travel around, that would be the way to do it. I mean, yes, and it depends uh, if you wish to save or if you wish, if you wish to travel. And uh, you need to be certified because, look, all the employers, all the schools, they require a certification on one hand, or if they don't and they only rely on the passport, well, most countries, in order to get you the visa and the work permit, you need a, a certificate to, to get the work permit and the visa. That's one of the requirements for most of the countries, like, yes. So, All right. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Stefan. It was great thank meeting you, you face to face and uh, hearing all about your experiences and recommendations for teaching all around the world. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. And hopefully, I mean, yes, looking for uh, for other Canadians from Oxford seminars here in Ho Chi Minh. Before we go, we do have a little job placement update for those job seekers who may be looking. We started working with an international school in Hanoi fairly recently, and while they're primarily hired for August starts, they do bring in new teachers during various other months throughout the year. So if you're thinking of becoming a K-12 English curriculum international school teacher, I'd recommend giving Hanoi a try. Their salaries can go as high as 2,800 US per month, which really does go a long way with the low cost of living in Vietnam. I think Stefan kind of highlighted how much much you can save there uh, if living fairly reasonable lifestyle. And we also work with private language schools, predominantly in Dong Nai province and in Saigon that hire year-round as well. And as always for China, there's pretty much every type of position available from kindergartens and K-12 schools to training centers and universities. And recruiters are now well into interviewing for the spring 2024 starts. So now is the time to be applying before those positions are filled up, especially considering the visa process can take up to four months. Thanks as always for tuning into the Teaching Abroad Pod. We're aiming to release new episodes monthly for the foreseeable future. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with your friends. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and your podcasting app of choice. 
If you have any great ideas that you'd like to share for an upcoming episode, please tell us on Instagram or email us at teachingabroadpod at oxfordseminars.com. Thank you. Have a great day.